The delivery market is massive. There's so many trucks uh, and, and vehicles on the roads. The drones are electric, and some of these drones that are delivering five-pound packages are only 10 pounds and, and very efficient to deliver certain size packages. We see it as a, as a complementary technology. Welcome to the Esri in the Science of Wear podcast. You just heard Michael Helander, founder and CEO of Airspace Link, refer to the impact drone technology can have on reducing emissions while improving efficiency in the logistics industry. Esri Commercial Services lead, John Lenahan, investigates the many ways drones can complement existing industries in an environmentally positive way. Michael, welcome to the Esri in the Science of Wear podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. So, Michael, you're the president of Airspace Link, the market leader in drone flight planning operations for state and local government agencies. Airspace uses digital mapping to determine the safest, most efficient route for a drone to take on the way to pick up and deliver items. It's been approved by the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. What's happening in the drone space is fascinating, and we're going to get into all that. But first, I'm curious how your interest in terrestrial geospatial technology or GIS evolved into your passion for robotic flight. But maybe first to connect with the business audience for this podcast, maybe you can start with what these technologies are all about and why you're drawn into this space. Yeah. So, you know, I think about my history and all the things that I've done in, in my past have built up into robotics and in navigation. And part of that was starting with state and local governments to manage water lines and utilities and parcels and, and, and managing it on a state and local government scale. And then moving into the retail sector for site selection, where's the best place to put our store? And then in, indoor positioning. You know, I spent a stint of building a company that we focused on indoor positioning. And it's in everyone's life today. Uh, you know, A lot of the systems that we built eight years ago is now in the Delta app or it's in the Target app. So you probably have it on your phone. The next time you go into Target uh, or use the Delta app and search for uh, a product or a uh, need to get from gate to gate, some of the backend systems, the routing, uh, the analytics, and the foot traffic patterns are all run through some of our old, old systems. So that's what brought me into uh, the robotic stage is, well, this is the next big problem is how do we integrate drones uh, safely into our national airspace, but also into our communities at scale? to do a lot of the exciting things that drones can do and how do we put an infrastructure, a standardized infrastructure in place to allow uh, that convenience. Moving forward in, in what you're doing with Airspace Link, you undoubtedly have a lot of ideas about drones and their problem solving applications. How much of the business plan for Airspace Link was shaped by your own experience learning to be a drone pilot? You know, what kind of gaps were you seeing in the market through that experience and the industry as a whole? And, and kind of how did that lead you to the inspiration to kind of tackle those problems? When I was living in California and I had a large presentation with my indoor positioning business and my mouse broke. And I went and I ordered a product from a retailer and, and I had same day delivery. And it showed up at the top of this mountain two hours later in a two ton UPS truck. And I sat there and said that no one made money on that because I don't think I paid for the delivery because of my subscription. And it wasn't good for the environment. And I said, how do we match the product with the delivery, that micro mobility solution? And at the same time, there was the Amazon package delivery commercials and stuff like that. And, and I was thinking, well, how does that how does that actually happen? How can you start to fly drones all over the airspace? And, and I come from the transportation planning and 
And you think about, we have rules, regulations, roads, center lines, people with licenses, registered cars, permitting of driveways. It's, you know, there's federal governments managing highways or state and local governments are managing their city roads. And, and so, so you can imagine in my head, I'm going, oh my gosh, we need to recreate that same thing. And, and aviation is not used to that either. So how do we link uh, local government processes with, with um, federal aviation process? And, and that's where uh, I ended up getting into uh, to drones at some point. Uh, I saw the opportunity to partner with the FAA to, to help implement uh, drones. So yep. that was the epiphany of the business, which sat for four or five years because the timing wasn't right, because there was a lot of things that happened to have, had to happen at the federal level to, to move it to this point. So I'm I'm curious about kind of the the people and the industries that are flying these machines every day, and why is there an urgent need to build a standardized system for them? Why now, and and why is it critical, and and why are we hitting that tipping point? Drones are a bit of the wild wild west right now. They are coming under control, but in order for them to scale, the FAA has very high safety standards, and to be able to fly drones beyond visual line of sight which really unlocks the power of drones. There's a lot of things that will have to happen. But if we look at the drones as a whole, we have about 1.7 million drones. Believe it or not, people actually register like you do a car. Those are a little bit more associated with the commercial pilots. The difference between recreational pilot and a drone pilot is you're, you would be a recreational pilot if you're just out there flying. If you're flying for money of any sort, for your job or for a wedding, for pictures or for roof inspections, you need to have a pilot license uh, and go through training. And then you start to look, there's currently 1.5 million drones here in the U.S. that have been sold. And I think last year there was 1.7 million sold. So there's a lot of drones coming onto the market just from recreational and part 107 uh, commercial uh, drones. The next level that's coming is the, we have 14 companies that are going through type certification with the FAA for, to be an air carrier. This is really the commercial drones. Those will be the ones that are getting approved to fly beyond visual line of sight. And those will be more commercialized for, you know, precision agriculture, automated flights to spray the fields, um, package delivery, emergency response, uh, drones flying ahead of time uh, beyond visual line of sight. They just have to go through a safety system to be able to do that. So let's talk about that. How, yeah. how are you supporting the FAA build its system to orient coordinate these aircraft, avoid collisions, kind of manage, you know, the, manage the space. I have to imagine that includes a lot of ingestion, distribution of, uh, you know, significant amount of, of flight data. You know, what kind of data are we talking about here and, and how are you working with and supporting the FAA? So uh, our first year as a company, we did spend the entire first year building out a partnership uh, with the FAA and getting our system approved uh, as, a, uh, as a supplier to them. So we're the front end for recreational and we're integrated with 726 airports. We have a data exchange with the FAA. Uh, so data is going from them to us, all the airports, and then any pilots that are in our system, that data is being shared with the, the air traffic control systems as well. So there's a lot of air management that's going on uh, in our system. That's one leg of the stool. The second leg, which is unique to our company, is we're now pulling in what are the hazards, the number of people you're going to fly in. So we do have about 50 data sets that are coming in static and live from land use, zoning, schools, hospitals, jails, number of lanes you're going to fly over, the traffic counts, uh, uh, number of cell phones in a certain area uh, is actually uh, really important. So we pull in every hour. How many cell phones are in a certain area and what that does is as a pilot and I want to do an advanced flight say over a mile or two miles 
our system has to do a calculation of you know, how many roads, what is the probability of you hitting someone on the ground if you have a failure? And that's all about safety and the FAA has a very good safety case. So now I can go and say, hey, I need to get from A to B. Our system manipulates all that data, figures out the best flight path in seconds, uh, builds out a safety case, the number of people, and then the probability of you hitting someone. So the goal is a seven to the negative 10th power probability of hitting someone. And uh, if your airworthiness approves that, then you can, we can authorize that flight and, and let you rip. Michael, I'll be the first to admit that kind of drones can be intimidating. And I imagine you encounter a lot of that when you go into these organizations. What, what do you run into and, and how do you overcome that? And, and what's the discussion like? When we come into a city, their first reaction is, how do we put in ordinances? We, we're getting complaints about drones and where they're flying and, and privacy issues, and we want to put in ordinances. And when we put ring in our system, it does an assessment and figures out the opportunity size as well. So by putting in an ordinance, you're going to ground you know, 9,000 residents that is used for re real estate um, pictures and construction use and public safety. But it takes education. And we're using data and GIS to actually show it versus just telling them, yeah, it has great opportunity. Your, your city would benefit. We actually can show numbers and data and how many people can be serviced within these communities. And it's something that we've, the industry is very scared of and Aerospace Link has taken it on as to be that integrator because all of these companies have no idea how to talk with cities and residents. They really don't. They come from the aviation industry and they're saying, oh, we can fly and do whatever we want. And like, yeah, until you get enough complaints, these city officials will say, shut it down. So that is our job is to go pave the way, educate, put the tools in place that communicate directly to the pilots uh, and makes uh, these people a lot more comfortable. So when a resident comes in to complain, they say, oh, let us look it up on our system. Could they, should they be flying there? Was it a violation? They actually have a tool. They have no clue today. They just, I ask them, do you know where you can and can't fly in your city? And they're like, no idea. <laughs> do you know how many flights are happening and how often? No idea. We just know we get complaints about them. So we, we put those tools in place. Let's dive more into the delivery aspect. You, you hit on it earlier a little bit, but you know, how do you expect that to unfold? Uh, I assume it's not just Amazon packages and pizza. I, I think there's got to be a broader vision and, and a lot more interest kind of across uh, industries. Yeah, we don't um, we don't necessarily get all the glory if you ever see drone deliveries on TV. Uh, we're usually the back end system to help enable that. So think of us as helping enable that. Today, what we've been involved in is uh, COVID test kit deliveries uh, between hospitals mm -hmm. in Syracuse, New York, organ delivery in o Ohio uh, between hospitals, and and that's a great stat there. For every uh, ten minutes an organ is outside of a body, it loses one year of life. So you can imagine the speed of when it's taken out and needs to get to the, you know, from the donor to the uh, patient is massive. Uh, so we did some deployments using a drone versus a vehicle uh, to get across the city or to the next city over. It was multimodal. It was using a helicopter, actually took the drone to the airport, to a helicopter and out and then back. Uh, so you can imagine that type of uh, use case. You know, we did a beer delivery in Ontario, California uh, a few weeks ago. So this they're they're very progressive. So they're they're actually building a subdivision that's going to be drone friendly. It's slated to be 59,000 new homes, all brand new sub, just massive. And we've worked with 
Brookfield uh, development, and they've partnered in the sense of starting to build drone-friendly communities. It's not just the homes they help design, but they design the retail section. So having a single takeoff location where there's Starbucks is there and State Brothers and a brewery and, and all these different retailers, they can they can give the food to this secured location, which the drone takes off uh, and does the delivery to certain points within the community. And then over time, it will go to the individual houses, but it is a crawl walk run to introduce it into the public. What effect or, or what impact do you see drone delivery having on traffic, which is a, a major source of pollution, congestion, you know, public um, satisfaction with their communities, you know, no one likes to sit in traffic and, and kind of deal with the commutes. So how do you see that impacting uh, these communities and the traffic within these cities? We see it as a big impact and part of one of our core missions and delivery market is massive. The amount of deliveries that are happening, as you know, with COVID is just, there's so many trucks uh, and vehicles on the roads. So if we can electrify, the drones are electric and some of these drones that are delivering five pound packages are only 10 pounds. So they're super light drones carrying packages and, and very efficient to deliver certain size packages. You still need larger vehicles to deliver, but if you can take 30% of the vehicles off the road to deliver these small packages, if they you know fit these certain uh, dynamics and, and uh, dimensions and and characteristics and weather, it will will take off uh, a lot of cars off the road. So the investment into roads through this infrastructure that's coming is also this digital infrastructure for drones needs to be considered through this process uh, because it will help with energy efficiency. Is kind of drone infrastructure, airspace infrastructure being considered in the infrastructure bill and to what degree? It is, to give you an example, uh, North Dakota has invested 50 million already, even before uh, this happened, they they approved 28 million to deploy this infrastructure across the entire state. So it is starting to happen. And believe it or not, North Dakota is uh, leading the industry today as in putting in this system and then we'll duplicate that from state to state. So we are building these shovel ready solutions and partnerships with radar systems to deploy to the next state. Like Michigan is, is considering it uh, heavily right now. And even the city of Ontario, California, can we have a little bubble to get started and connect to the system up in North Dakota as well to, to start to, to scale? Today, we're deployed in 22 states at different levels. Maybe we just have a single city. Maybe we have 20 cities, two counties, and the you know MPO, the transportation group, and that, or just a state. It's really interesting because everywhere is different. Um, business is starting to drive it as well. So Michigan, um, you know, the automotive group ended up getting involved and said, hey, we don't want to manufacture or build drones, but we want to use drones for just-in-time parts delivery along our supply chain. And they have actually pushed us, you know, actually fund some of these projects uh, in Michigan and also brought us into other states in Milwaukee where we went to the city and the county and said, hey, this automotive company wants to do just-in-time parts delivery along the supply chain up here because we're having some problems and it's a lot of small parts. So industry is starting to get involved. So other states are watching. It's not going to happen overnight. Having cities and counties to be the test beds or the first movers helps the state. And same thing's happening in Georgia. Georgia's said, hey, do you have a city we can start in? And, and Johns Creek has signed up. They just did a big press release last week. Johns Creek, uh, Georgia, a small city, has, has now implemented our system. And now is the next step is to bring in the state to start to do package delivery uh, over the next year or two.
What other uses do you see for drones that can benefit society at large? You know, where else do you see that kind of impact being possible in, in the near future? I'll pick one, uh, access to mobility. Uh, we do have a lot of elderly folks. Meals on Wheels is a great example, uh, being able to get access to food, things like that. So we have done some studies on the percentage of people that we can, can be reached based on, again, running the analysis and ground and air feasibility, how many people we can get to, and then of them, how many of them are mobility challenged. And then COVID comes in and you have a lot more people stuck at home. So that's another benefit. And we do have a campaign around drones for good. How, do, how can we work with Meals on Wheels? How can we deliver medical? And then we get into security system. We have a, a partner that, you know, you might be away and you're getting an alert on your system and and they'll check if they can take off or, and a drone goes out and scans the properties. You can think of it. <laughs> There's a way that it's being integrated for convenience. And then public safety is just a big deal. Um, Trula Vista uh, Police Department has been testing a drone for about six months right now that when you get a 911 call, it flies out ahead of time. So they have a special waiver. It scans what's going on ahead of time and they can get eyes on the scene before they drive out there. And it's actually the amount of stories coming out is pretty amazing. Some people thought it was a bit scary, like surveillance, but they're finding that, hey, the guy really doesn't have a gun. You don't need to come in there blazing or there isn't really an incident and you're seeing it ahead of time. Uh, so it helps them prepare as they're coming on scene and that protects citizens and people that are thought it to be a criminal and they're not. Everything we're talking about, Michael, I, as a as a listener, as the audience, I'm sure they're thinking, I can't wait to get started. How do I get started within my company, within my organization, based on kind of organizations you've engaged with in the private sector, state, local, you know, how do people get started? How are organizations really taking that step? Is, is it in a certain department? Is it in IT? Do they have certain um, kind of users or, or expertise? I mean, what's, what's, what are the steps? That's where it gets interesting. So Airspace Link is really trying to be a horizontal infrastructure. But we're finding that a lot of people need help. And that's where we are when we work with state and local governments. We start with either economic development, uh, public safety, transportation planners. Those get us moving within. And then we find that every single department. And then they're, then they're like, well, we want it for our own drones, not just for our citizens. So that's where we start with state and local. Uh, so we do actually have a, a vertical team, developers and business partners and salespeople that focus on that vertical. Now we're working with industry and we started embedding our technology into the drone industry and the service providers to run on top of the system within these communities to do the flights and then third uh, we have companies you know i'm a manufacturer we want to use drones even on our campus to do car counting but i don't want to have to have a drone pilot out there flying it every day and and, and what are the rules and regulations and learning all of that so we do have um, a business development team that helps them understand their use cases connects them to the drone service or the type of drones that they need. And then we connect them to the, understand what the gap is in that city or county or state. Do you have the right infrastructure in place? So it's our job to help take our customers through whether your government or a public entity or a private entity to make sure we bring it all together. And that's our job as a company is, and our core purpose is to help pull the pieces together because it is so complicated and then uh, help them get the benefits of pushing a button or to a point where package parts delivery, it's all figured out through the system. It either figures out to do ground, ground transportation or air transportation based on the size. And we, all, we have it to that point with some customers and we just duplicate that on these uh, businesses. 
Michael Helander from Aerospace Link, thank you and, and had a lot of fun talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Michael Helander for explaining the current state and future of drones and civic governance. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to rate Esri and the Science of Wear podcasts on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about how modern location intelligence enables transformation, sustainability, and growth, visit esri.com forward slash location intelligence.